Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast. As always, hope you continue to enjoy the front row because we certainly enjoy bringing it to you. And we bring it to you commercial free courtesy of the Dunlap Champions Club. You've heard us talk about it. It's a great deal. Football season is uh, ticking ever closer. I know the countdowns are going. Uh, they've got a half season ticket package on sale if you want to test drive the champion, the Dunlap Champions Club, which means you get to choose either the Miami or Louisville games and then any two of the remaining four games. Maybe more importantly, before you make that decision, call the boosters, set up an arrangement, go by. If you haven't been there, go by and check it out. You're going to be impressed with the facilities. And uh, I guarantee you, if you go through the tour, you're probably going to sign up real quick. 850-583-9066-LINE-1 to uh, buy your ticket, schedule a private tour. There's misters going in. We know the first uh, couple games are night games, so you won't have to deal with the sun. You get unlimited soft drinks and food. It's a good deal, so check out the Dunlap Champions Club, and we tip our cap to them. Now, with that said, here's the front row. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Good evening and welcome. This is The Front Row. I am Keith Jones and, and don't touch that dial. Do not touch that dial. I am flying solo this evening, but my partner Tom Black will join us. In fact, we've got a coup. And Matthew, you you were in on it. You helped us make the decision. We've got an inside reporter. In fact, two of them, if you want to be accurate, out in Omaha. Tom Block is in Omaha. He will call in in the next segment, and we will talk about Florida State baseball, what's going on. Obviously, everyone's aware that Florida State and LSU will follow us in about an hour. Uh, FSU playing, uh, trying to work their way out of that loser's bracket. But we've got Tom on site for uh, some inside report. And obviously, we've got Tim Linnefelt, our Seminole.com insider, who is also out in Omaha. And uh, we'll talk about this more as the show develops. But a real treat. Uh, we've got Phil Steele, who is the publisher of um, uh, probably the best preseason college magazine in the country. He'll be joining us a little later on in the program uh, to share his thoughts on Florida State's football year and what's coming up. Uh, but first, we turn our attention to uh, baseball. Florida State uh, gives one away on Saturday night, uh, and I know it sounds like a cliche. I told some people earlier, one of the things that uh, there were two pieces of advice that had Coach Bowden asked me during the last couple of three years of the uh, Jeff Bowden uh, time as offensive coordinator, if, if Coach had called me into his office and asked me to give him advice, Keith, what should I do differently? Uh, I would have told him two things. Now, mind you, I would never walk into Coach Bowden's office and offer any unsolicited advice. That just doesn't, that wasn't going to happen. But if he'd called me in and said, what do you think about this, that, or the other, I'd have told him. The first thing I would have told him, is never refer to Coach Jeff Bowden as Jeffrey. Jeffrey is the Bill Cosby character on the airplane that was five years old. My name's Jeffrey. I'm five years old. Makes him sound like a child. And number two, never say, well, you know, 50% of the teams that play on Saturday lose every year or every week. And uh, I know everyone was reacting harshly when Coach Mike Martin said, well, you know, we don't work on – a man on first base, third strike, the ball gets away, and he scores. I know we don't work on that. Uh, don't say that anymore. That was just one of the crazy things that happened. Let's let's just leave it alone. And, of course, three hour, uh, errors on one play. I've, I guess I've seen that happen a couple of times, but uh, that was pretty unique in and of itself. But Florida State redeems itself against uh, Cal State Fullerton. They'll take on LSU tonight. Uh, and uh, I feel good about the ballgame. We'll talk with, uh, with Tom and with Tim uh, relative to what they believe uh, going forward. Matthew, how about the news from uh, from Wisconsin? Brooks Kepka, man, I, I'll tell you a quick story about that. <clears throat> My father's day was a little different. Uh, Kathy's got two boys. I've got three children, two girls and a boy. Um, everybody was gone for the most part over the weekend. So there was not a Father's Day thing at the Jones household. Uh, Ashley and Cindy and their kids came over for a Saturday afternoon and swam a little bit and we had hamburgers. But on Sunday, went to church. Kathy was involved in vacation Bible school, so she was getting ready Sunday afternoon for that. Uh, that's going on all this week at Thomasville Road Baptist Church. And uh, so I, I, I got home after church and I said, nothing much to do. I'll go cut the grass. 
So I, ended, I did. I cut the grass on Father's Day. I get through about three thirty, four o'clock. I'm riding a riding lawnmower, so it's not like I'm really exerting myself. But I've been outside, so I've been sweaty, that type of thing. I come in. I said, well, let me catch the, the U.S. Open, see what's going on. I got one chair in my house that I'm allowed to sit in. When I haven't, when I'm when I'm not clean, so to speak. So I drag that chair all the way into the family room. I sit in front of the TV, and I don't move till eight o'clock. I was just mesmerized by that. And I'm one of those that uh, I like watching golf on TV, but I acknowledge that it's not the most glamorous of things. But there was something about what was going on in the U.S. Open this year, particularly with Brooks playing. And obviously, our good friend Jeff Cameron uh, has the show that he does on Wednesday nights. Uh, Beyond the Tips, is that the name of it, Matthew? Uh, and uh, does that on Sirius XM and with Trey Jones, the, the head coach, uh, golf coach at Florida State. We've had Trey on this show on the front row. <clears throat> Pardon me. And I'm sitting there just enjoying the, the Florida State connection, enjoying Cupka playing. And, and Kathy walks in, and I've been sitting there for two, two and a half hours in this chair. I have puddles of sweat on the floor. I get in trouble for watching the U.S. Open. That's how my father's day went. Uh, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. And, and the best thing that came out of it, uh, other than Joe Buck uh, making the mistake on calling the girlfriend the wrong name, uh, that'll get you in trouble. <clears throat> but the best thing that came out of it for me was on 16 or 17, whatever the last par five was, uh, Kepka gets up and he's got his three wood. He's being a little bit conservative. And he unleashes the most unbelievable three-wood I've ever seen. I was told or I heard or I made up in my own mind that that drive was the longest drive on that hole. And he did it with a three-wood when everybody else was using a driver. Talk about adrenaline and then keeping that adrenaline under key and and not letting it affect you. And then walking away with a two-plus-million-dollar check. Um, hats off to, to Kepka and hats off to the Florida State uh, program for the notoriety associated with it. And then <clears throat> I love some of the interviews afterwards. Well, you know, golf's not my life. There's other things that go on. Good for you. Good for you. All right, recap. Uh, we're going to be joined in the next segment by Tom Block. Uh, after that, we'll follow up with our own Seminole.com insider, Tim Linnefelt, and then Phil Steele uh, will join us as we continue things here on the front row. Stay with us. The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Welcome back to the Front Row. I stood it as long as I could. I went, what, seven minutes, seven, eight minutes without my partner. And I just, I can't do it anymore. I've got to bring him on. Joining us via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future, the better part of the duo that is known as the front row, Mr. Tom Block. Tommy, how you doing? Great, KJ. Don't you love cell phones? You go on vacation, but you're never really on vacation. No, wait a minute. You weren't supposed to say that, man. We we, we put you out there as a special reporter. Oh, you, you're right, you're right. on assignment. Has nothing to do with vacation. You're on assignment to bring us back eyewitness report of what's happened in Omaha. And oh, by the way, for our listeners, he's in Chicago. Dadgummit. <laughs> but I was in Omaha over the weekend. That and, you were. Uh, and again, I'll sound like the Chamber of Commerce, but uh, this this most recent trip just reiterated to me that uh, you got to put this on your bucket list if you're a sports fan or baseball fan. I I'd necessarily I wouldn't necessarily advocate trying to go for 15 days because it's hard to fathom that if Florida State was to win the whole thing, it could last until next Wednesday at this time. But uh, in general, you got to get out there for three or four days, soak it all in. It's a good time, and uh, from a Florida State standpoint, uh, at least they got on track on Monday, and hopefully they can get another one tonight. I've already established the fact and told the long, boring story in segment one that uh, Coach Bowden, when he used to say, "Well, you know, fifty percent of the teams lose every Saturday," is an expression we didn't want to hear anymore, and obviously we don't want to hear again from eleven or anyone else that you don't ever work on 
a runner on first, third strike, gets away from the catcher, and who's supposed to cover home? Because that just doesn't happen. Just don't want to hear about it anymore. But how snake bit could Florida State be in that first game against LSU? Well, yeah, I mean, that when that happened in the first inning, I didn't feel <laughs> great about it. But obviously, Florida State led most of the rest of the way. And then when you commit three errors in one play, I mean, it's just it's bizarre. And there's been bizarre things that have happened to Florida State out here. I'm sure if we looked at the landscape of every college team, some bizarre things have happened to them too. But obviously, we we have garnet gold glasses, so we we follow that. I can remember my first trip out to Omaha. I think it was '98, and Jose Zavala was on third base, and there was a wild pitch behind the catcher, going to go all the way to the backstop, so he's going to score easily. Except that it hits a brick or something directly behind home plate and ricochets right back to the catcher, who's still standing at home plate and catches the ball and tags the ball out. So. I mean that that sort of stuff has happened to Florida State, but the, you know you can't you can't dwell on it now. Unfortunately, they put it behind them and they got a win on uh, Monday. And you know they've got an opportunity tonight because LSU is shorthanded a little bit since they lost their starter the other night. He's gone for the season, so I mean it's a big key if if they can somehow get to Poche early in the game and tax LSU's bullpen. That's advantage Florida State. And, and I want to talk about that before we let you go, but I want to go back. I thought. In the LSU game Saturday night, the key play, and this is a testament to um, athleticism, but the key play to me was the ball that was hit to the shortstop that that Holton got a glove on and diverted. Would have very easily been a ground out, uh, but because of his athleticism, he was able to get to the ball, just wasn't able to corral it, and it led to, quote-unquote, an infield single. Yeah, and that's baseball. I mean, that's that's just the way the game goes. I mean, the other day on Monday, J.C. Flowers almost makes a catch. Uh, turns out Florida State comes back to win. But, I mean, that spelled the end for, you know, Florida State's fine freshman Drew Parrish on the mound. So, I, I mean, that's what it is. I think we focus on it. Certainly when you get to the postseason time, we focus on it. But this is a team, as we've chronicled on this show, K.J., was left for dead. And yet uh, here they are. They won the ACC tournament, won a regional, and they were down to their last strike twice won a Super Regional after trailing uh, significantly in Game 1, and now they're trying to come out of the loser's bracket in Omaha, which is not easy, but all you can do today is try to win one game against LSU and and not have Oregon State uh, on on the mind, you know. So I like FSU's chances tonight. Cole Sands has not pitched in a while. We know he's got the best arm in terms of running it up in the mid-90s. The one thing that concerns me there is that LSU's seen an awful lot of guys who can throw in the mid-90s coming through the SEC. Two points about that. Number one, uh, Florida State arguably has gotten two quote-unquote quality starts while out there. They're one and one in those two games. What do you, you, you've kind of alluded to it, but what do you expect out of Sands, I mean, as a third quality start in the cards for this program? Well, I think it could be. I mean, his numbers are pretty, he's gotten better lately too. It's not just like it's been Parrish and Fulton and, and, and Deers out. Uh, you know, we didn't get a chance to see Sands in the Super Regional, and he was sort of snake bit, if I recall right, in the Regional, but his numbers over his last three starts or so are, have gotten better. The thing with him is he has command issues at times. He throws five pitches. They won't necessarily call all of them. Uh, but if he's missing the zone like any pitcher and he's falling behind in the count, well, then you're either walking guys or you're or you're grooving something that the other team's going to hit. So uh, I, I think you got to have a quick hook, though. I mean, you've got every arm available, and if you can get through this tonight, you go back to Holton on Friday night. And what's interesting there is I don't know that Oregon State – well, Oregon State's ace is not with them, as, as that story's been well chronicled. But I don't know that they would pitch their number two on Friday night. So you might have an advantage there. And, and the reason they wouldn't is they would try to hold them because if they win, they could pitch their number two in game one of the championship round. So if Oregon State was to decide to do that, you would like your chances uh, at least better with Holton on the mound, and then you, you, you somehow maybe get to a one-game winner-take-all on Saturday. But the first thing you got to do is win tonight. Well, and I think advantage Florida State, uh, as you mentioned, Poche will start for LSU, but FSU has seen him. He threw, what, two and a third, two and two-thirds uh, on on Saturday. So it's not like it, – what happens in these tournament postseason games is you're playing programs you've never played. So you've you know you know Florida State plays most of the ACC teams every year. So you'll see them as a freshman, as a sophomore, as a junior, sometime during the program, uh, during the process rather. Florida State's seen Proche, uh, and he threw very effectively. But uh, I think that's advantage FSU. Do you agree? Yes, I would agree with that. And and the book on, well, and not the book on Proche, but if you look at LSU, because I followed them a little bit, really their best pitcher over the last month or six weeks of the season was the Walker kid. 
who got hurt and is now out for the season, got hurt the other night when they got blown out by Oregon State. Um, and it tells you something that Paul Maneri opted to start Lang, who'd been their Friday night guy in game one and Walker in game two. It tells you that Poche really had been their number three starter, uh, you know, the last six weeks of the season. So that's what Florida State's getting. Of course, you could argue that Cole Sands, even though he was the Friday night guy, really has been Florida State's number three starter the way the season has played out, too. I do think that's advantage FSU. I also think it's interesting. I read some comments from Paul Maneri. I wasn't at the press conference when he said this, but uh, he basically described Florida State's offense as an ugly brand of baseball because they sit there and take walks, which I found interesting. Uh, Paul Maneri's been around for a long time, uh, has had great success, has won a title there. He was coaching Notre Dame when they came into the Super Regionals in 2002 and shut down a Florida State team that was red hot. So he's familiar with Mike Martin. It was just, I, I don't know if that was, uh, maybe he planted that out there to get in the minds of the umpires a little bit, uh, maybe widen that strike zone kind of thing. I just, it was a little glaring when I read it that, that he just flatly described it as an ugly brand of baseball. Well, one of the things that the, the ESPN commentators have commented on in both Florida State games is their plate discipline. And, uh, you know, I played ball in high school. You've played uh, in high school and in, 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 in youth league. You know, the, the ability to be patient at the plate is just not a trait that is natural to the human uh, ego. And, and learning to be patient is a learned behavior. There's no question. Well, certainly, and there's been, been skeptics about it, but Florida State always leads the nation or is among the top, you know, five in walks. They're leading them again in walks this year. Uh, and really what the approach is, is that, you know, everybody's got a hole in their swing. And FSU players knows, know where their holes are. So even if it's a strike early in the count, they're not going to offer it if it's a pitch that they know they can't do anything with. So obviously when you get to two strikes, all bets are off and you have to protect the zone. But that, that's part of the reason you see such discipline. And, and also you, you just don't want to give the other team, uh, you know, you don't want to chase pitches. When, when it's something you can't do anything with. So, I mean, that's been Mike Martin and Mike Martin Jr.'s philosophy for years. Uh, you know, they're, they're the top-scoring team out here in Omaha, despite the fact that the average is well below what a lot of other teams are, and that's because of the on-base percentage and the way they manufacture runs, so to speak. But I, I do think this team's a little different. This team can hit. It's not like if they don't get on base and you throw strikes that uh, there's not guys that can swing it. This is a pretty good lineup. The only one who's been struggling is J.C. Flowers. I mean, even Stephen Wells in the one through eight, you're pretty solid right now at the plate. And I would agree. I think they, the majority of them have rose, uh, risen, whatever the correct word is, to the occasion. Uh, put your put your uh, Mike Bell uh, eleven hat on. Uh, Sands struggles. Who do you go to first? Well, it's probably going to depend on what you know. The situation is going to dictate that. How far into the game? What's the, what's the score? Uh, who's due up for LSU? I mean, I think you got to consider Carp if you needed a longer stint. If you're, you know, if you're deeper into the game, if you're into the sixth or seventh, then based on what they've done so far in Omaha, they probably would use the same guys that they've used uh, to finish games, which would be Alec Bird uh, if you need a lefty, Chase Haney a little bit like the other day, and then Drew Carlton for an inning or two if if you're there. But if you're talking the second or third inning, uh, again, if you need a righty, you're probably getting Carp. You know, maybe you get quick cows. It's just situ- circumstances are going to dictate that. But but there are enough arms there to get Florida State through. Um, having said that, it certainly would be nice if you could get Sands to go five innings and if somehow they could get Poche's pitch count up. And, you know, LSU, now I think mentally they came unglued a little bit the other night when they lost their starter, but they walked 12 guys. And that was the same day that Florida State drew eight walks. So, I mean, if you have those kind of command issues and you're LSU tonight, that's definite advantage for and, and that was not characteristic for lsu they had been a very good uh, staff from a from a uh, base on balls standpoint uh, all year long yeah they had been and again you don't expect that you're going to lose your starter uh two innings in especially when he was cruising at that point i'm not cruising i guess they were down one zip but i mean he looked like he had settled in and then all of a sudden he can't even start the second inning uh, I mean, I just think mentally that wasn't a, a place they had expected to go, and it probably showed. And then the game got out of hand. And, you know, we, we've seen it with Florida State closers. LSU had its closer in there when it was an 8 nothing game or something like that. I mean, mentally, he's not into that, that game the same way he would be in a tight ball game either. Any chance we see uh, Holton in right field? Or do you save him? I think we probably don't see Holton in right field, and I think that decision has gotten easier because Stephen Wells has, has hit the ball so well. That was my next comment. He has, he's performed well. He really has. 
Yeah, I do think that what you have is, in, you know, if you needed a left-handed bat off the bench, Holton would be available there. But I think, uh, you know, had Wells not had the success at the plate that he's had lately, we may see Holton out there. But given that, even the other day, I mean, he had the RBI single and then the bases loaded sack flies, it turned out, but that ball was stung. I mean, he just missed another RBI single there. So I don't think you'll see Holton out there in right. Uh, we won't talk again until basically it's over unless Florida State gets all the way to, to that Wednesday game, and, and it'll probably be before airtime for us next week. If Florida State loses tonight, good season, bad season, okay season? Well, I mean, that's going to depend on which Florida State fan you, you talk to. I, w- I would certainly say good season. Um, you know, maybe – right where the expectations were at the start of the year because Florida State was ranked anywhere from one to five. If they lose tonight, they finish in the top six. If they win tonight and bow it on Friday, they finish in the top four. And, you know, you open up an interesting point there, and I don't think Mike Martin has much more than a year to go. I mean, clearly, Augie's all-time win record is, is going to be more than manageable next year. I think he needs 32 wins as we talk right now. Um, I don't know if he'd go beyond that if he wants to get uh, 2,000 wins, but I don't see him coaching for more than two years. And, you know, there's going to continue to be Mike Martin doubters until he wins uh, a championship, which may never happen. We'll just have to see how it unfolds. But I I think you have to look at this as uh, considering where this team was, for them to get their act together, to do as much as they've done. And, and now to be in the final six out there, I mean, I think that's a pretty good season. Well, Florida State will take on LSU in about, what, uh, 45 minutes, plus or minus. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Before we let you go, Tom, uh, not, I didn't uh, pre-screen this, but uh, just I talked in the first segment about the uh, the U.S. Open and the performance of Brooks uh, Kepka. And uh, you, you know Coach Trey Jones better than I. I've gotten to know him a little bit. He's been on our show. And uh, this whole thing about Florida State golf over the last couple of three weeks has been uh, of great notoriety. I I sat there for four hours, three and a half hours on Sunday and just was marveled at his performance. Yeah, and I can't claim that I watched it. I was uh, enjoying the zoo with the family on uh, Father's Day. But, uh, yeah, it's been – Trey Jones has done – it's not as if all of a sudden Florida State golf has become relevant. Ever since Trey Jones got here, he has really done a terrific job. Uh, you know, he's coached lots of first-team All-ACC guys, ACC players of the year. You're starting to see them on tour now show up with wins. You get a major, that's a lot of cachet. And from what I heard, and again, I didn't watch it, uh, he was just unflappable down the stretch. You know, there was no no signs of feeling pressure or anything like that. So I, I think there's a lot more wins ahead for Kepka and former Florida State golfers in general. Uh, the new golf course is on the way. And Trey Jones was beaming. I saw him a couple times. I saw him going into the the LSU game on Saturday, and then I ran into him at the team hotel, I guess, on uh, on Monday, maybe after the win over Cal State, and I just gave him a congratulations, uh, you know, for what Kepka did. So he, he's beaming with pride, as he should be. He's a big Florida State fan. He's out here, or, well, I'm not in Omaha anymore, but he's out in Omaha with his son. Um, today, by the way, the diversion uh, is uh, Chicago Cubs baseball, KJ. Just so you know. Well, I was going to let you close with uh, we've gotten a couple of uh, emails in wanting to know what the rest of the Block family vacation itinerary was. So uh, tell us uh, what else to expect and uh, when should we greet you? When, when should we show up at the airport to greet you on your way home? Well, next next Monday night, if you want to carry my bags to the car, that'd be great. Uh, when we return. But, uh, no, we're just in Chicago visiting some friends, doing some sightseeing here with the kids. Uh, Omaha is great, as I said. My daughter's not a huge uh, baseball fan, so we weren't going to subject her to 10 or 12 days of it. But uh, as I said earlier, it's definitely worth the trip for three or four days out to Omaha, depending on your enthusiasm for baseball. But, no, we're just enjoying Chicago in the summertime, and uh, Cubs baseball happens to be in the mix, so you can't turn down Wrigley Field. So it's a good trip overall. Not at all. Not at all. Well, we wish you safe travels. Uh, y'all enjoy, relax. Appreciate your uh, taking some time on vacay to call in, and uh, we'll catch up with you when you get back in town. Thanks for uh, sliding over to the driver's seat, KJ. I'll talk to you next week. You bet. That's Tom Block joining us from uh, Chicago via Omaha. Uh, Matthew, I told him uh, he, he'll hang up. He won't be listening because I know how he is. He'll go back and listen to the show later. But I told him he's got to take his wife to the Chicago Chop House, which is a story that for another time when one Mr. Jones and Mr. Deckerhoff went to the Chicago Chop House and left considerable coinage 
at the end of the meal. So we'll see if Mr. Block uh, is going to do that. Next segment, we'll be joined by Tim Linefeld, our Seminoles.com insider, who is still in Omaha. Uh, we've covered topics with Mr. Block. We'll get into a little more in-depth with Mr. Linefeld right after we pause for these, this break, and uh, we'll make a little money on these commercials, hopefully. The Front Row is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. I am Keith Jones, Sands one Tom Bach. He was with us last segment. Uh, he is on vacation and uh, enjoying some time in Chicago with his uh, wife and children. But we have another opportunity to go back out to Omaha. We're joined now by our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linefeld, who joins us via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline. The Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together and still in the baseball city, is our own Tim Linefeld. How are things this morning? Oh, they're they're great, Keith. Got a beautiful day uh, here in Omaha. Only one game tonight, so it kind of feels like we're we're waiting a long time. But to stop by the uh, the old donut shop on the corner, and that kind of brightens up any day. So yeah, things are good. I guess you would say Florida State has the College World Series right where they want them. Drop the first game, and then have to win everything out of the losers bracket. I mean, you know, you certainly can't argue with uh, with their track record in that regard. Uh, that they're certainly confident. Um, I think you know after that LSU game, which was one that. Yeah, I think they were really frustrated and that they felt like they should have won it. Uh, and, and it's kind of hard to argue when you look at how it ended. Uh, they said, you know, look, we're comfortable doing this. And, you know, for one reason or another, we just love to make it hard on ourselves. So, uh, hey, you know, whatever works at this point, uh, the, you know, the good news is they play LSU tonight. Uh, I think that, that everybody in Florida State's locker room, again, given the way they played that game, feels like if they can just tighten those things up, uh, especially in the field, uh, that they match up really well with LSU and, and have pretty good reason for confidence. When there's three or four days in between games, can we use the old football analogy which says uh, it's hard to beat a team a second time in the same season, or am I on a stretch there? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I always sort of thought that that, that, uh, that that maxim sort of seemed odd to me. It's like, well, well why can't you, <laughs> you know, if, uh, if you're better than them anyway? But, but in terms of, of games that are coin flips, and I think Florida State and LSU are pretty evenly matched, uh, you know, it's just sort of uh, you know, sort of see what happens. But like I said, I view I, I, tonight's game as sort of a 50-50 kind of thing. I really, it's hard to get a read on it. Obviously, a different pitching matchup uh, than what we saw on Saturday. Neither team uh, has their ace available. Uh, and LSU, I believe, is, is really depleted uh, given uh, what's happened to them over the last few days. Uh, so it should be interesting. I think tonight might be a little bit more of an endurance test than on Saturday, but uh, it should be fun. How big is that LSU contingent? They they look they look like there's a bunch of them on TV. Oh my gosh, it's huge! It's huge. I, I can tell you that the uh, the patrons uh, and the uh, the restaurant owners and and bartenders of Omaha are probably rooting for LSU tonight because uh, when when those people clear out, it's going to be a pretty big uh, pretty big void. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of them, and and you know it's kind of funny. You know, watching them walk around and some of the media too. You know, a lot of people who haven't been here before or haven't been here in a while. You know, you're walking around and you're you're sort of you know staring at everything and kind of gawking at the new stadium and everything. LSU people know they, they this is all business for them. They've been here before. It's uh, it's old hat. So uh, yeah, there's a pretty big contingent, but that's part of what makes it fun. Now tell the truth. Have, have you wandered through the parking lot and tried to get yourself invited to some of the LSU cookouts? You know, I don't think they would have me. Uh, I was walking through uh, uh, the general admission line, which is right by the parking lot, and I was wearing a, a Seminoles.com polo. And, uh, you know, some of, the, some of the things that were said to me, I don't know that I could repeat on a, a family radio show. So I don't think I was getting any barbecue invites, unfortunately. Uh, well, we know what happened on Saturday night. Uh, what was your takeaway Monday? Uh, you know, Florida State against Cal State Fullerton, a game they had to have, and they, they find a way to get it. Uh, what was the reaction? What were you hearing from the uh, from the squad after that game? Well, you know, it, Keith, it was such a turnabout from you know what you usually expect out here, and certainly what you saw on Saturday night against LSU. Uh, and that Florida State, I think, was the better team for the for that entire game. They were up three to one uh, in the sixth inning, and probably should have been up by more than that. Probably felt like they should have been up by more than that. And then all of a sudden, uh, Drew Parrish had been who had been cruising runs into trouble. Uh, a few swings of the bat, and oh gosh, now it's you're, you're trailing by a run in a game that you really shouldn't have been. 
And if you're a Florida State fan, and you know, I think it's probably hard not to be like, oh my gosh, here we go again. Uh, but this time, Florida State flipped the script and did it quickly. You know, they get out in that, that next inning, Taylor Walls gets on, Dylan Busby gets a double. And then Florida State did what they do best, which is take pitches, be patient, uh, and walk. And so anytime that you can walk both the, uh, the tying run and the game-winning run across the plate, I think that's, uh, that speaks to your patience. Because imagine kind of, you know, the mindset of those guys thinking, you know, it's late in the game. We just gave up a lead that we probably shouldn't have. Uh, you know, a lesser player, a lesser mature player, probably would want to go up there and, and just start hacking. You know, especially a guy like Quincy Naporti, who has the bases loaded, no outs, and leaves the country in grand slams. I guarantee you he wants to clean the bat. But in that situation, you know, you got to take what they're going to give you and be smart about it and, and give him credit. You know, he saw he battled back from a 1-2 count, saw a 3-2 curveball, uh, and, and was able to lay off of it and get that run across. So, to me, it was sort of Florida State's offense uh, encapsulated in one inning. You know, be patient, take those pitches, frustrate opposing pitchers, and if you do get a pitch to hit, go ahead and swing at it. Matt Henderson was able to do that and drive in an extra runner. So, uh you know, that to me, if that's, that's the recipe for success for Florida State. Uh, if they can replicate that again tonight, then they'll probably be here another couple days. You mentioned Q leading the country in Grand Slams. He also leads the country in RBIs, so he didn't even have to get the ball out of the ballpark to add to that particular uh, statistic. And, uh, and, again, a great deal of patience. LSU, at least in their last time out, struggled getting the ball over the plate. No, yeah, they uh, they absolutely did. I I think they got a little flustered when their starter got hurt early in the game. They had to, to switch gears really quickly. Uh, tonight they're going to throw Jared Pochi. If his name sounds familiar, it should because he pitched against Florida State the other night. I think he went two and two thirds innings, threw about thirty pitches, and and really he was was successful against Florida State. So, you know, I guess the question that that they're going to have to answer is one, you know, what 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 works in whose favor is Pochi knowing that he can pitch against Florida State and have success against them, or is it Florida State knowing? that they've seen this guy a couple of days ago and have a pretty good idea of what he features. And, you know, that to me is probably the, the biggest question that will determine what happens tonight because, look, I don't think LSU has a whole lot going on in the bullpen right now. They're going to need Pochi to give them a few innings uh, to, to, you know, to have a chance because they're just so depleted and they use so many pitchers uh, against Oregon State the other night. So, uh, you know, if, if Florida State can, can, you know, rough that guy up early and score some runs, it could really swing things in their favor. I asked Tom the same question in the earlier segment, but but what do you expect out of Sands? We didn't we didn't see much of any of him in the Super Regional, so he's had a lot of rest. Yeah, he, he definitely has. Uh, I to me, it's just a matter of can he throw something other than his fastball for a strike? We we know he can get that fastball over, and it's a really good one. Uh, but sometimes he's had trouble being able to get anything else over uh, for a strike, and so you got to be able to get that slider going or, or really anything else just to show them that you can do it. Because where he's running into trouble is he get the fastball over, but if he can't get anything else, you know, sooner or later, those hitters are going to start timing it up. And, you know, at some point, even if it's a good fastball, they're going to run into it uh, and you're going to be in trouble. So he's got to be able to locate another pitch for strikes. If he can do that, I think he'll be in pretty good shape. And, you know, another thing to keep in mind, I was talking about this with uh, with our buddy Lane Hurt, my colleague over at Seminoles.com, is, you know, this park, uh, it's, uh, if you're a pitcher who sometimes is susceptible to home runs, uh, this park can be pretty friendly to you. Uh, you know, a lot of those balls that are hard hit in the air, whereas they might have been out of Hauser or another ACC stadium, they, they might just end up at the warning track here. So that could be a good thing that works in full fans' favor as well. Well, Tim, we're inside 30 minutes before first, first pitch tonight. If someone wants to jump on uh, com and look at anything, what, what what's there for their uh, quick perusal before the first pitch tonight? Good grief. More College World Series coverage than you can shake a stick at. Got plenty on uh, Florida State's thoughts on playing LSU again. Uh, and a cool video package on uh, on Dylan Busby, who you might have heard has used the same bat for all three years he's been at Florida State. Which, 38 uh, home runs, I read. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of hard to argue with his success, right? Uh, and uh, a few other things as well, some NBA draft preview content and uh, some other stuff uh, on some baseball players, what they're, how they're going to be spending their summers uh, once the run in Omaha comes to an end, which hopefully won't be for another couple of days. And oh, by the way, the U.S. Open champion is a Florida State. Oh, yeah, team. yeah. Heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, enjoy tonight. Uh, hopefully you'll stay out there a little longer. Uh, we probably will be uh, done with the College World Series by the time the front row appears again next week. But uh, hopefully, You don't know. We'll, hopefully, well, it depends on what time. The, I guess that game will be a, a nighttime game if they go all the way to Wednesday. But yeah. um, uh, we'll know that you'll have plenty of stuff to come back and share with us uh, if or when. When, if and when you get back to Tallahassee. So safe travels. You got it, Keith. Thank you. Appreciate it. Tim Lenefield, our Seminoles.com insider. He and Lane do such a wonderful job uh, on that website. If you haven't visited it, uh, you need to. Uh, www.seminoles.com. 
lots of content. Speaking of content, uh, one of the guys that is the best in the business at looking at the future of a, a particular college football season, in this case, the 2017 season coming up, Phil Steele is going to join us next time, uh, next segment, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Stay with us right here on the front row. The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Welcome back, everybody. Keith Jones with you. Our next guest is one of the most respected analysts in all of college football. He's the publisher of Phil Steele's College Football Preview, the most accurate preseason magazine on the market. Uh, it, uh, and joining me via the uh, Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. It's my pleasure to welcome the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Phil Steele. Phil, how you doing? I am doing great, Keith. How about yourself this evening? Doing great. My partner, Tom Block, is is away in Omaha. You might have heard of this little thing called the CWS, College World Series, that Florida State is playing in. Uh, so I am flying solo today. Uh, so you're with the second team. You'll have to uh, put me on your shoulders and carry me. Ah, Keith, I'm sure you're first team all the way. Big question. State of college football 2017. What's what's uh, Phil Steele's 32nd uh, monologue on where we are? Uh, I think we're loaded this year with some teams at the top, and uh, I think it's going to be a great season, great playoffs down the line. And uh, let's face it, college football is the second number two spec or number two sport out there next to the NFL. So it's really been climbing throughout the years and very pleased to see college football get more popular each and every year. Uh, your magazine, I read, correct me, give me the most update, uh, hits newsstands, I believe, on the 27th. Uh, some pre-orders have gone out and that type of thing, but uh, it's it's my Bible. Uh, and I don't know any true college football fan that can't get a copy of uh, Phil Steele's college football preview and not, not read it cover to cover. Yeah, and it, it comes out June the 27th officially at the newsstands. It may hit some newsstands a little bit earlier than that, but June 27th is the official day that's at Barnes & Noble. Books a million, Walgreens, Target, CVS, Publix, places like that. We have mailed out the, all the pre-ordered copies. So if you ordered it in advance, you probably have it in your hands already. And if you can't wait till June the 27th, you can actually download it to your iPad or iPhone, your Android device, or even your computer. Go to philsteel.com for more information on that. And let me ask you a question, Keith. During the course of the football season, how many times do you think you open that thing up every week? I open it up at least once every week, and when I was doing television for Fox uh, a couple of three years back, I probably opened it every day. Uh, I carried it with me. It, it, I carried it just like you would a, a team's media guide. It, it is that invaluable in terms of a source of information. Yeah, I like to feel it's like 130 media guides rolled into one, and the one complaint we get is at the end of the year, everybody's issue is all dog-eared because they use it so much from the course of the season. That's why you buy two, brother. You That's buy two, right. you put one in storage, and you use the other one. <laughs> there you go. Obviously, in Tallahassee, our focus is Florida State, so we'll start there. What do you see out of the Seminoles? Well, I'm bullish on Florida State this year. I was last year as well, and uh, you know when I talked to Coach Fisher over the summer uh, last year when we were going over the team, it seemed like every time we'd finish a team, and I like to go over every single player at every single position, Every time we'd finish a position, the coach would say, boy, are we going to be good next year? Well, next year's here for Florida State, and uh, I like the talent level across the board. You look at that defense last year, you watch them at the start of the year, and you're not even thinking that's a Florida State defense giving up 34, 63, 35, 37 points, but they got better as the season went on. Nine starters back on D. I think the biggest addition may be Derwin James. His loss early in the season, I thought, affected the defense overall. Could very well be their best defensive player. And offensively, you know, DeAndre Francois is a guy that was running for his life at times behind the offensive line, but I think the offensive line will be stronger. Francois now has experience. He's got, of course, plenty of talent to work with. You know, at running back, they lose a guy like Dalvin Cook, and it's probably my biggest question mark on the team. But they're replacing him with Cameron Akers, who is my number two running back out of high school this year, or Jock Patrick, who is my number three running back out of high school. So the talent level clearly there at the running back spot. Now, Florida State does play a tough schedule. They open up with Alabama in Atlanta. Nobody wants to play Alabama in the opening game of the season. Tide always wins that game. 
They also have to play Clemson on the road, and this is not a bad. I mean, Clemson lost to Sean Watson, but they are a national title contender. I'm going to go back to the fact that in the last two years, they've had four and three returning starters on defense. This year, they have seven. So that's going to be a nasty defense, a number one rated defensive line in the ACC, number one rated offensive line for that matter. And then they also have to play Florida on the road. But I think when you look at the overall talent Florida State has, even with those three tough games, I see Florida State winning the ACC this year and making the playoffs. All of us that do follow Florida State are convinced of one thing. We do not need to know, again, how tough DeAndre Francois is. So that offensive line, I think, is key for this this, this uh, program this year. Yeah, amazing how many times he took a hit, wobbled to the sideline, get back up, he's in on the next series. And uh, it definitely needs better protection. And how much more accurate of a passer would he have been with better protection? Didn't he hit 60% last year? That I think did. he'll top that this year. What do you see out of the ACC? Florida State, Clemson, of course, but uh, you know, there's some other teams with some great talent in this conference. Yeah, and, and Clemson, I think, is Florida State's biggest challenge by far. I mean, like I mentioned, seven uh, starters back on the defense, my number one rated defensive line, number 12 linebackers. Uh, the only real question mark with them is going to be the quarterback position. I think they're fine at running back. I mean, they lose Gallman, who had 1,000 yards, but they got Tavian Feaster, C.J. Fuller, Adam Choice. Uh, they may have better numbers at the running back spot this year. The receiving core uh, loses Mike Williams, but they look solid with Renfro and Kane, so they're going to be a big-time threat. And, and right now, uh, Keith, in Vegas, Clemson is favored by four points over Florida State in that big game in Death Valley, uh, which takes place on November the 11th. Now, Louisville's a big-time question mark because last year Louisville was almost unstoppable on offense, and that's, of course, why Lamar Jackson won the Heisman Trophy. But after averaging 49.6 points per game the first 10 games, how about just 19 points per game over the last three? All of a sudden, that unstoppable offense became stoppable. They're going to need to regenerate that uh, uh what they had going on the offense last year and get it back going again, but they got seven returning starters on D. I've got them coming in third. If you're looking for a dark horse in the Atlantic, I'm going to go with NC State. I love teams with great defensive front sevens. NC State's got just that. Bradley Chubb, Contavious Street, B.J. Hill, Justice Jones, uh, Darian Ro- Roseboro. They're loaded up front. In fact, NC State has my number three rated defensive line in the country, number 34 linebackers. They have a veteran quarterback in Ryan Finley. And they get Clemson and Louisville at home, which could make them a dark horse team in the Atlantic. And out of the Coastal, which is always a crapshoot, isn't always a wide open race. Never I'm, know. Just yeah, never know. It sure seems like that. I'm going to go with Miami of Florida this year. And once again, I'm going to go back to that defensive front seven. Their defensive front four got banged up last year, but still did extremely well. Chad Thomas, Kendrick Norton, R.J. McIntosh, Trent Harrison company, and then about the linebacking core? Completely wiped out last year. They go with three what I call VHT or very very highly touted linebackers. All played as true freshmen last year. These guys are all now sophomores. I'm talking about Pinckney, Quarterman, McLeod. It's one of the best linebacking cores in the country. They have my number four D-line, number seven linebackers. And the only real question mark, I think if Brad Kaya came back this year, Miami would be a top ten, maybe even a top five team coming into the season because of the supporting talent. Who's going to emerge at the quarterback spot? But Maybe this is finally the year, Keith, where Miami of Florida and Florida State actually meet in an ACC title game. Remember when they both joined the league, everybody said, well, they're going to meet the title game each and every year. Hasn't even happened yet. Miami's the culprit because they haven't even been to the ACC title game. I played them every year back in the 70s when I was a safety at Florida State, and that rivalry got to be unbelievable uh, as things progressed. First game out of the blocks for Florida State, some are saying, might be the most, the biggest, uh, greatest opening game in college football history. Don't know if I want to go that far, but Alabama, FSU, and Atlanta. What do you see? Uh, I, I think the key to this game, Keith, is going to be what we've talked about a little bit here, and that's that Florida State offensive line because they're going to be taking on an excellent Alabama defensive front seven. If you see Alabama just dominate the line of scrimmage on that side of the ball, I think the Tide win that one. And plus, they're very familiar, of course, with playing in Atlanta. But Florida State has the talent to play with Alabama. You look at these two teams, my power ratings have them all within two, three points of each other. And Florida State ranks in my top units in all eight position categories. In fact, their weakest unit on the team is the offensive line, but actually rated number 22 in the country. I think they will be much improved. So that, to me, is really going to be the key to the game. Both teams have experienced quarterbacks for once. 
Uh, Florida State's defense is going to be nasty. Alabama's defense going to be nasty. I think that's going to be a great game. Do we make too much out of the uh, Saban-Fisher relationship, Jimbo, having worked for, for uh, Nick at LSU sometimes, you think? Uh, I, I think in this case you do because uh, both coaches want to win this one in the worst way, and I, I don't even think they'll uh, realize the other guys on the sidelines. They're just out there trying to win. Understood, understood. Well, you're you're the best in the business. Fast forward to uh, the end of the year. Who who do you have as the final four, and how do things map out according to Phil Steele? All right, Keith. Well, we talked about two of the teams I have in my final four already, one, of course, being Florida State, the other one being Alabama. And when I look at Alabama this year, I think they've got a great uh, chance of getting back to a, a title game. I'm not exactly going out of the box when I make that statement, but when I look at Bama, you know, defensively, they have my number uh, six rated defensive line, number one set of linebackers, number two DBs. Offensively, my number two rated offensive line, number five receivers, best set of running backs in the country, and experienced quarterback for once. Toughest two games, Florida State out of the box. And then the Iron Bowl against Auburn at the end of the season. But I think Alabama is going to be favored in all 12 games this year. And I do pick them to make the playoffs. And I'm going to go to the Big Ten. I'm going to take Ohio State. Now, Ohio State was probably a year early to the playoffs last year. They were the least experienced team in the country. They only had six returning start or six returning starters overall last season. Yet they made the playoffs and then, of course, got shut out by Clemson. Not a good game. But this year, 15 returning starters. I remember J.T. Barrett back in 2014 was a legitimate Heisman Trophy contender. He's a guy that uh, got injured with two games to go in the season, then Cardell Jones took over and led the team to the national title. Well, now the new offensive coordinator is Kevin Wilson. I think Kevin Wilson comes in and gets J.T. Barrett back to that 2014 form. That's going to make him dangerous. Defensively, they are loaded up front on a defensive line with my number two rated D-line in the country. Linebackers and DBs both right at the top. Uh, same thing with the offensive line. I rate number three. So if you're solid in the trenches, you're going to win a lot of games. Toughest games for Ohio State, they host Oklahoma. They do have to play Michigan on the road. And Michigan this year only has five returning starters, but by the time you get to week 12, you're no longer an inexperienced team. And they might have to face a 12-0 and Wisconsin in the Big 12 title game, but I still think Ohio State's favored in every single game. Gets to the playoffs, and here's an interesting stat for you, Keith. Uh, Urban Meyer has lost a grand total of three bowl games in his career. After he lost the first two, he won a national title both years. He's off a bowl loss. Will he make that three in a row? And finally, my number four playoff team, I'm going to go with USC. And the only question at USC at the start of last year, after they opened up one and three, was who's the next coach going to be? Because it sure as heck isn't going to be Clay Helton. Well, Clay Helton righted the ship. They won their last nine games. Two keys were a factor there. Sam Darnold came in at QB. It was an instant upgrade there. He's a mobile quarterback, throws well under pressure, and he's got a cannon for an arm. He's probably going to be the number one pick in next year's NFL draft. And then the defensive line. When I talked to Coach Helton this spring, he's very concerned about the inexperience up front of the defensive line. They got rolled over in the first couple of games. Remember the Alabama game in the opening game right, of the season? Right. But as the season went on, that defense developed some bite. They went into Washington back in November, and they dominated the line of scrimmage both offensively and defensively. And now almost the entire defense comes back. So this is a, a very good USC defense. You look at their toughest games, UCLA at home, at Notre Dame, they'll be favored in all 12 games this year. So those are the four teams that are making the playoffs. And I think if those four Blue Bloods all make it, we're going to have a heck of an exciting uh, playoff season. Well, you know what the next question is. Who am I putting my money on? Well, I'm going to say that it's going to be Alabama versus Ohio State in that title game. And uh, I'm going to lean with Alabama. But uh, I'm excited about all four teams making the playoffs. And, you know, a lot of folks have asked me this year, Keith, they say, uh, if there's one coach that hasn't won a national title that can win it, who's going to be that next coach going to be? And I'm throwing out Clay Helton of USC. So I think all four teams in the playoffs would have a legitimate shot. Uh, because of time, and I know you could, won't talk about the outsiders, but just your last uh, comment, uh, Stoops stepping down at Oklahoma. Um, does does that, that surprise you, and how does that affect that program? It surprises me, but I don't think it's going to affect them this year. Stoops guided them through the spring practice, which is always good to have that knowledge of a steady head coach like that getting you through the spring. Their offense coordinator is still in place with Lincoln Riley, who now, of course, is also the head man. The defense coordinator is still in place with Mike Stoops. They have the best offensive line in the country. They've got one of the best quarterbacks in the country in Baker Mayfield. And defensively, I thought they underachieved last year. 
but they've got the bulk of the team back on defense and should be much improved. You look at their schedule, they do have to play Oklahoma State on the road, which is going to be difficult. Kansas State, Bill Snyder always tough. And, of course, Ohio State on the road, which is one of the reasons I kept them from making the playoffs. But I picked them to win the Big 12. Then Stoop stepped down after the magazine was sent to the press. I'm still uh, sticking with it and picking them to win the Big 12 this year. Phil, there was a country singer named Barbara Mandrell. She had a, a song out that said she was country before country was cool. Uh, we talk about uh, metrics and the hidden numbers, and uh, I tell people all the time, Phil Steele was, was metrics before metrics was cool. We appreciate your time. You are, without question, the best. I really appreciate that, Keith, and always enjoy our conversations each and every year, buddy. You take care, and we'll talk to you next year. All right. Thanks, Keith. A lot of fun. Thanks, brother. Phil Steele, publisher of Phil Steele's College Football Preview. His uh, newsstand's on the 27th, but if, as he mentioned, if you want to download a PDF copy, uh, go to his website. And uh, I hate that he doesn't have Florida State in that final game, Matthew, but I respect the fact that uh, Florida State uh, is in the conversation, and uh, he, he is as good as good gets. We'll see how it uh, works out. So we're going to wrap up, so what's this, segment number four. And then we'll do a time check, see how much I've got left. We'll come back and finish up here on the front row. Thanks for hearing us. We don't need no education. We don't need no thought control. The Front Row is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. This will wrap up this edition of The Front Row. Keith Jones with you here. Tom Block away. Always good to talk to Phil Steele. That magazine he has, you need to get one. You'll be absolutely amazed with the information that's in it. If you're riding around, by the way, looking for a place to eat, you're headed somewhere, you need to watch uh, the ball game, uh, I encourage you to head by uh, Madison Social or Centrale, the Italian parlor. Uh, they've got some great drink specials going on, a great place to watch the ball game as Florida State takes on LSU. Also remind you, uh, if you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, visit at Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener to get your power tool needs. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway, or you can call them at 580-1200 or online at www.ctf.nu. Florida State LSU at 7, Brooks Kepka, the U.S. Open champion, Phil Steele, still good as ever. Tom Block away on vacation. I'm Keith Jones, and I'm going to say good night. All that I need to look inside Come